You are listening to the For Flourishing Sake podcast by Frederica Roberts. Welcome to episode 47. Looking at the countries where most listeners to this podcast are from, I think most of you are now on a well-earned, much-needed summer holiday break. With that in mind, over the coming weeks, I am bringing you some extended podcast episodes where you will be able to listen to the replays of the For Flourishing Sake book launch events. Today, I bring you the first half of the first panel discussion of the book launch extravaganza. This panel was recorded live on the 18th of June, the day the Kindle edition of For Flourishing Sake was published. The panel was chaired by Adele Bates, Education and Behaviour Specialist from the UK, and featured the following panellists. Fabian de Fabiani, Assistant Head Teacher at Townley Grammar School and Director of Character at the Odyssey Trust for Education. Fabian is also a Policy Advisor for the UK Government's Schools Inspection Body in England and a keynote speaker. Rebecca Camisio, School Psychologist at New Canaan Country School in Connecticut, USA. Rhiannon McGee, Head of Positive Education at Geelong Grammar School in Australia. And Elke Paul, Positive Education Consultant, Professional Development Expert and Wellbeing Conference Organiser with IPEN. Elke is based in Germany. In the first half of this panel discussion, they begin to address the what and the how of positive education. They share their thoughts on what positive and character education are, give tangible, practical examples of implementation in their schools and share tips on how to instigate culture change and embed these approaches to education. I have cut out my introduction to the panel discussion and gone straight to Adele as she introduces herself and the panel. And of course, you will find links to all the panellists' Twitter handles and the link to the page where you can watch back all the panel video recordings on this episode's page on the forflourishingsake.com website. So, as uh, that wonderful introduction from Fred uh, said, I'm a behaviour and education specialist. So I work with pupils with SEMH, social, emotional, mental health issues. I work in schools with them, as well as training other staff to work with those pupils, supporting staff, supporting schools, local authorities. And I have my own book coming out next year that I'm working on that is called Miss I Don't Give a Shit. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, I'm going to, I have the delight of welcoming the panel. Uh, So, first of all, we are going to welcome uh, Rhiannon McGee, who is over in Australia. Hello, Rhiannon. Hello, Adele. Thanks for having me. And what time did you say you're on over there? It's 9.30 in the evening, on a Thursday. (laughs) Are you in school tomorrow or online on school tomorrow? Um, we actually had our last day of teaching today. It's the end of term. So just a couple of meetings tomorrow. So it's all fine. Good, good. Well, thank you. So um, as you might have guessed, so Rhiannon works in schools. She's the head of positive education at Geelong Grammar School. And you shall see her Twitter handle on her screen, which is R-H-I-M McGee. And the question I'm going to ask Rhiannon and all of the panel as I introduce them is just to give us a little bit of a, a tasty flavour to kick us off. In one mm. sentence, please could you just describe for us what positive education is? Um, at this point in time, I would define positive education as the skills and practices to support well-being, um, drawing on positive psychology and other disciplines. 
Lovely. Thank you very much. And I heard that semicolon in your sentence, making it still one sentence. Very clever. <laughs> <laughs> nice skills there. Okay, next I'd like to introduce Becca Comizio from the USA, who is a school psychologist in New Canaan Country School. Her Twitter handle is Becca Comiz. And hello, Becca. Whereabouts are you now? What time are you on? Hello, Adele. Thank you for having me. Um, I am in uh, Connecticut, just a little bit south of where my school is in New Canaan. And it is uh, just after 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> okay, thank you. And um, your one sentence, please, to sum up positive education. Okay, so th this will be a challenge. Uh, but uh, one sentence would be that... I see positive education, especially in my um, little neck of the woods in my school, New Canaan Country School, as a framework from which all other aspects of education arise. So it's, uh, um, uh, it's looking at the science of positive psychology in order to inform um, academic programming, character education, um, nutrition and health, sports. Um, discipline, positive discipline, um, and uh, really respect our mission at Newcomb Country School is to respect childhood, respect the integral nature of um, childhood and whole children. So positive education is the framework from which everything we do arises. Thank you. I love your your header sentence there. That was great. Cheers. And we are going to get to know a bit more about you and your settings later on. So next we move over to Elke Paul, who is in Germany, I believe. I don't know whereabouts. We'll find that out. She is a positive education consultant, a professional development expert, a well-being conference organizer with IPEN. And her Twitter handle is Elke Ed. Hello, Elke. Hi, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Very welcome. So please start off, tell us wh whereabouts exactly you are in Germany and what time you're on. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's uh, roughly 1.30, um, 1.40 it is in Berlin um, uh -huh. in the afternoon. God, and um, I'm, I'm sitting in Berlin, close to the Love center. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And do you have one sentence that you can describe mm -hmm. as an education in? Mm -hmm. So um, the definition that I, that I use often um, because it's a quick one, is positive education trains well-being and human values so we can um, establish a better relationship with ourselves, with the people around us, and with the world we live in. That's how it is. Gorgeous. Thank you. There's some tweetables here. I sometimes watch Marie Folio. She always has tweetables. These are real tweetables. Um, okay. And um, thank you, Elka. Let's move on finally to... Fabian de Fabiani, and I believe you are in the UK. Yeah, morning everyone. Where about oh, are you? I'm in morning. South London, so <laughs> South I'm London. actually in school. I'm in school today, so yeah, <laughs> trying to grammar school in Bexley. I'm in my office. I don't even have a big red door behind me at home. So this is, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Fabian is the assistant head teacher at Townley Grammar School and director of character. Odyssey Trust for Education, Policy Advisor for Ofsted, and Keynote Speaker. And his Twitter feed is FDEFab, which is on the screen there. So thank you, Fabian. Thank you for being your office, Fabian. That's great. <laughs> Love that. Okay, do you have a sentence you can sum up positive education with? 
Yes, I think positive education really is simply uh, developing and embedding a sense of purpose and optimism amongst young people. That's how we've approached it at Townley, and uh, that's kind of been my own practice and how I've tried to approach it. So it's inspiring and developing a sense of purpose and optimism within the school systems. Thank you. Okay, and Frederica, obviously you've already introduced yourself, um, but I would like to hear your sentence, please, lady. <laughs> I thought I was going to get away with that then. <laughs> um, I think positive education, I'm going to go with the IPEM definition because I like the IPEM definition. It's the combination of um, educating for well-being and character as well as educating for academic achievement. So it's not that we're talking about just doing well-being to the expense of all else. It's actually about doing the two together. And that when you actually do look after well-being and character, then it supports the academic achievement and development as well of the children. And within that, it's a very long sentence, I would say that <laughs> it's about the whole school. It's not just about doing well-being lessons or anything like that. It's actually about making sure that the school supports that. Mm -hmm. Lovely, thank you. So I am going to, just to make everyone at home really jealous, I'm going to show my paper copy. <laughs> As contributors we've already got, go get it. Um, but you can see I've started my reading of it and the, the start of this book really gives us a good overview, first thing, of what positive education is. And secondly, it starts looking at this, this difference between positive education and character education, which I know are often kind of banded around as if they're the same thing, or aren't they, or aren't they, or or which way is this? So I just want to clear this up right at the start, so we really know what we're talking about. So Fred, Frederica, would you want to kick off with that anyway, just to define those differences for us? Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, the way I see it might not be the way everybody sees it, and it'll be really interesting actually to hear from the other panellists in terms of their views on, on the differences and similarities. I think there is a lot of overlap. If you look at a lot of stuff that's been said about and written about by academics and by educators about what positive education aims to achieve and what character education aims to achieve, there's a lot of overlap that um, the word flourishing is used a lot, hence the name of the book for flourishing sake, because that term is used in both fields really. Uh, the way I look at it, character is actually a massive element of positive psychology, looking at character strengths and how they underpin our uh, psychological well-being. Um, and so I kind of see character education as being an, a big, massive element of the whole positive education picture, positive education, including other stuff like um, the, the policies, procedures, the, the, the staff well-being, the, the interventions, um, the, the ethos of a school, all of that kind of thing. But having said that, uh, there's also, I think, um, differences in, uh, in countries and cultures and how we actually use those terms. And in the UK, for example, not many people actually would use positive education, but they would use character mm. education. They yeah. talk a lot about a lot of the stuff that I mentioned when I talk about positive education. Mm. So uh, it's, it's a bit fluid, I would say from my perspective. Thank you, Frederica. So I want to pick on that point that you've said about us. Uh, I think we have got some echoes going on, haven't we? Thank you, Rebecca, just for pointing that out. I don't know whether we can just mute if we're not speaking. Thank you. Um, so just pick up on your point, Frederica, about um, the fact that actually it, it is different culturally and in different countries. So I'm going to switch over to Australia and, and 
and see uh, see if we've got a comparison there. So in terms of the difference or the similarities between positive and character education, how does that work uh, over where you are, Rhiannon? Yeah, probably um, in Australia, the terminology character education isn't used as much as I've, I've uh, noticed in America, England and other places. Um, I think the uh, well-being the movement in Australia has really risen out of a, um, an ongoing movement around well-being in Australia um, and positive education and the application of positive psychology in educational settings as an evolution of that. And certainly, um, you know, 10 or 11 years down the track here, um, our thinking continues to evolve uh, whereby um, we have felt that the one of the challenges with positive psychology in the first iteration perhaps of positive education is that it has been a little bit um, individualistic, my wellbeing um, and so on. And um, there are elements of positive, obviously, which draw on character strengths, which draw on meaning purpose and uh, making a contribution to the world. So our feeling is that um, as we've evolved, there's been more of an emphasis on the we, not me, and I think that's reflecting in the field more broadly in the field of positive more broadly, just a maturation. So I suppose my understanding of character is more about um, evolving into individuals who are going to make a positive contribution in the world. And, and I think that has been a little bit beyond what the um, initial intentions of positive education were in Australia, which really was um, to support the well-being of individuals and communities. And obviously we know that that pro-social component is, is integral as explicit. So um, I, I think the thing that challenges sometimes with positive education is that it is there is a lot of overlap with a lot of different approaches and disciplines. And I think it is really important that we do, you know, clearly define what we mean by positive. Um, and I think it's great that we started this panel by doing that. Rihanna, I'm Rihanna, I'm just going to pause you slightly because I think your connection is a little bit slow. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we've got the main bit of your answer there. So I'm just hoping perhaps later on that will come back. Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so just <laughs> just because it's kind of slightly challenging to hear your point just now, but we can yeah. come back to that in a bit. But thank you. And uh, moving over to Elka in Germany, um, could you talk us through the, the differences or similarities of character education and, and positive education where you are? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, it, I have to say, in Germany, positive education or well-being is 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 still very early in in its early stages. Um, I almost think it's sort of pioneer state. Hmm. It would be more defined as mental health education. Mm -hmm. um, and when when I talk about character education in my workshops, I I talk a lot about human values or. Um, values that make us human in comparison, for example, to artificial intelligence, which is now moving more into education. So I emphasize on that. What, what is it that we need a teacher for in the future, for example, if we can get all the information online and if we can get even good ways and explainer videos and everything to um, to be academically educated, could we then actually spare the teacher? So that's that's a very valuable question to ask and then if you ask that it comes quite quickly back no there's a lot of human stuff that we need teachers to teach kids and kids need to teach kids together and I think that's where um, where positive education is at the moment getting broader um, and looking more into um, two more aspects I think it's one of one of them would be change 
management, uh, which I get quite often consulted about. And the other one is is future skills. Mm-hmm. So for me, character education um, is is involving these two components as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Elke. And just for my own edification, could you please give us a translation of the words in German? Did they, um, is Charakterbildung and, um, you know, the funny one, positive education. I tried whether I should actually translate that into German and that would be positive Bildung. Um, and I never could get really around it. So what I did in the end is I kept it. Um, so I'm working with uh, the German Association of Positive Psychology and we kept it as positive education in English, okay. even in Germany. Because I find that very fascinating as a concept or an approach travels the seas. Um, when you find the countries who don't have their own words for it, I think that often then you can see that in practice sometimes. And you're saying that you are in the early stages still in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely, I agree. And then over to the US. So whereabouts are you friends at the moment? Yeah. So um, over here, we also talk much often about character education and I think um, in schools around the U.S., especially in the Northeast where I am, we talk a lot about social emotional learning and Mm. I think the concepts of character education have shifted into social emotional learning. So we talk a lot about, we use um, the collaborative for academic social emotional learning has has some beautiful research and um, support for their social emotional competencies, which include self-awareness, self-management, pro-social skills, decision-making skills. And so that's how um, that's how we think about uh, character education in terms of um, supporting kids to grow in those social emotional competencies for the goals of well-being. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I think just what you're saying then about the social emotional side of it. So for myself, I work a lot in special schools with children specifically and young people who have social, emotional, mental health issues. And from a lot of the schools that I've worked in in the UK, I would say that underpinning a lot of what we're doing is positive education, is character education, is a mixture, but it's not necessarily in our vocab. But I would mm-hmm. say in special schools, we I mean, we have to because of the nature of the young people that we work with. Uh, so that's interesting that that social emotional comes back when we get to the US. OK, so moving on, I really want to hear some more stories and some more examples of these things, um, these approaches working in practice. So I'd like to move over to Fabian and ask you, OK, so how has positive education worked out in your school or in your classroom? How, how does that work? Okay, that's a really good question, and it is really important because I think, uh, especially in the UK, character education, uh, positive education, well-being is talked about more now. So it's kind of entered, especially in secondary schools. I mean, I'm an assistant head in the secondary school and the director of character and well-being for our our trust, the Odyssey Trust. But actually, within secondary schools now, there's a greater awareness of character education. But what what have we actually done tangibly? And I guess our journey really began about four and a half, five years ago. So I've been at Townley for six years now. And really, it starts with your values. And I think what a school needs to establish really clearly and from the outset are what are what are the school values and what is the purpose of the education? Now, character education 
I think is really about empowering students to realize uh, avenues, potentials that maybe they hadn't really been exposed to previously. But alongside that, there needs to be, as you've all identified, a clear sense of well-being and a clear set of uh, well-being principles. Because you cannot build character unless you have uh, a positive and a, a, you know, a happy individual. So what we've done at Townley and across the Trust is really we started off looking at how the health system could develop uh, extracurricular opportunities. So it started off with elements of extracurricular in terms of yoga, in terms of meditation, public speaking. And now what we've really developed is curriculum. I think it's fundamental that within each area, whether it is English or maths or science, there are opportunities where the school values that are established initially are referred to explicitly with the language, but then students can see the tangible outcome. So, for example, uh, one of our key values is social conscience and helping students develop a social conscience. And I think what's been really interesting is seeing how different faculty areas, different department areas, look at facilitating opportunities within the curriculum for students to develop a social conscience. So, for example, within humanities, it's, perhaps there's a clearer link there. We, we look at protest movements in history. We look to at within English, kind of decolonizing curricula and looking at how students can understand the past and in a better way develop a greater understanding of how the world works, but then they can see how their subject areas will help them facilitate uh, that development in the future. So whether it's through careers, or whether it's just an understanding that what they're learning isn't purely for learning's sake, it isn't just to get through the exam. And I think that's something we're really proud of and something we've developed substantially, but it's taken time. It isn't a case of, you know, just kind of ticking a box and doing it over one term or two. You know, it's, it's at least a three-year plan and getting students to see that what they're learning isn't purely for the exam basis. There's a greater purpose for it. And we've developed over the last year uh, a curriculum called 21C, which is knowledge-rich, but at the same time helping students understand that they should want to learn and are given opportunities not just to write down things and, you know, to take their exams, but to debate, to discuss, to have symposia, to have active learning and active opportunities to discuss what they're learning. So, I mean, it, there's a whole range of extracurricular, but really importantly, it's about the choices you make given sufficient time within the curriculum to dedicate it uh, towards, uh, towards character and positive education, but also training staff, and that's fundamental, and I know we're going to talk about the yeah. training of staff and students. Just before we go into the, the training itself, is that you, you're talking here really about giving the, the pupils a, a chance to understand that it's not just about exams, it's about learning, etc. Now, my experience, particularly the UK education yeah. system, is it's not always just the pupils you have to persuade, yeah. um, but it's it could be the teachers, it could be governors, it could be local authorities, it could be academy yeah. trusts. So just going a step back, how did you how did you discuss that kind of culture change at that level? So yeah, it's a really good question. Fundamentally, I've been very fortunate, I'm on SLC now, but I wasn't four or five years ago, it's only been a year, to have kind of support from senior leadership. And really, that's why the values are so important, because when you have a clear set of school values that say that learning is incredibly important and it isn't a matter of being an exam factory, then actually having those discussions 
with senior leaders, with governors, with staff. They kind of lend themselves naturally, but it takes time because what we found is actually when you talk to parents and you talk to governors about the importance of uh, having a whole school approach, developing the whole student and not just one small element of them, which is, you know, the, the exam part. Actually, what we found is governors, parents are incredibly open to that within staff because the UK system historically and still is, you know, getting into politics of it or the rights are wrong, is still an exam-based system. Actually, with staff, it's been slightly kind of a, a longer journey than, say, with governors and with parents because our whole training from PGCE or schools direct or from, you know, 30, 40 years onwards to today is, you know, we are functioning within the, the real politique of a of an exam-based system. So that's kind of been a, a longer process. But then when you can empower staff and say that within the curriculum, it's not just about the exams, you can, you know, it's important that you are nurturing this love of learning and giving staff the opportunity and the confidence, particularly at key stage three, because at key stage three, there are no, you know, external exams. It's a real opportunity. Staff love that and they feel empowered and they've responded really positively. So it has been Sorry. Fabian, just for our international audience, key stage three is, is uh, 11 year olds to. Yeah, 11 to 14. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Fabian. I think what I'm really hearing there is the importance of embedding this as yeah. well. And, th and that's how it that's how it works, essentially. Um, Rebecca, can I go over to you and ask you a similar question about how have you seen positive education work? How have you embedded it within your school mm -hmm. environment? Well, one way that it, it's, I think, really important, especially right now, is to look at systems such as disciplinary systems and um, systems of uh, referring kids to special supports and help, because what we're noticing is um, lots of inequities in our school systems. And so applying uh, a framework like positive behavior um, intervention and support, which is, um, you know, its own area, but of, um, like Fabian had said earlier, teaching children um, explicit uh, character goals or school values that um, by, by creating explicit um, understandings of what we know children are capable of achieving and what we'd like to see in our communities and our school communities, we are better able to set children up for success. And then when things go wrong, looking at behavior as communication and um, supporting children without sort of a really sharp punitive edge. Um, I, we've, we've, see over and over again that, um, for example, suspensions and detentions and things like that really may address symptoms of behavior problems in schools, but that, that don't teach children what to do and don't really solve the problem. So that's one way in which uh, positive education in the form of um, systems change is starting to really impact um, schools. Uh, and I think we, there's right now in this country specifically, um, all of us are really thinking very deeply about social justice and um, inequities and affording all children um, the opportunities to learn and grow and achieve. So that's definitely one way. I think also there really is a, a strong emphasis on um, social emotional learning at, um, as an important area of 
of um, education in itself, apart from the the traditional academic subjects, but woven into the traditional academic subjects. We see that schools that have strong evidence-based SEL programs have better outcomes for kids, fewer disciplinary referrals, better GPAs often, and um, positive school culture is another thing that we really can look at and measure. And I think the measurement of all this, um, too, in my field in school psychology uh, is is really important that um, as we're implementing, whether it's social emotional learning programs or um, PBIS, positive behavior interventions and support programs, we need to make sure that um, things are going well, or at least we need to know when they're not. So by um, being very careful with with measurement and progress monitoring um, so that we can tweak programs as we go is another important part of it. Thank you, Rebecca. Could you just um, let us know what GPA stands for? Oh, sorry. Grade point average. (laughs) But uh, schools think a lot about helping kids be academically successful. Yes. So what I'm really hearing just from these, the few months we've had so far is that in order for this to be successful, in order for this to really support our young people, both emotionally and academically, we're looking for a real focus on values and embedding these these approaches within the system. And um, Rihanna, Rihanna, I'm going to move over to you in a second and ask the same question: how you've how you've implemented this. Um, but just a quick reminder to the people who are watching: we do have a hashtag, uh, flourishing ed. If you are over on Twitter right now, then please do do that. Um, hashtag, especially if you've got any questions for our panel and you'd like to ask live. Okay, over to you, Rhiannon. How have how have you embedded the positive education approach within your school? How have you done this? Um, so I've been in two different contexts. Um, Lady, the first context was, it was an all-girls Catholic school where I helped the implementation of school approach. And then I've come to Geelong Grammar when they were about 10 years into their journey. And um, my focus has been quite different. It's about how you sustain positive education and how you continue to evolve. So um, what's worked in the first context doesn't necessarily work in the second context. Um, And certainly whilst uh, in my previous school I was able to see the immediate evidence of positive positive education coming to life in the language um, and the culture of the school, um, it was already evident when I came to the grammar and our model um, emphasises learning, living, teaching and embedding positive education and that speaks to a, a lot of um, what my colleagues have referred to this evening and um, there is a strong emphasis on uh, teacher training and every staff member at our school who um, commences their journey at Geelong Grammar School engaged in a three-day a positive education course, so a very strong emphasis from top down, I suppose, in the school on the importance of that learning piece. Um, and then, of course, we have a positive education subject, um, which we say uh, provides the opportunity to teach uh, the skills and practices of wellbeing explicitly. But then, of course, we have the implicit piece, as um, many others have referred to, where um, the emphasis is on incorporating the language of positive education in a broader school environment um, and then embedding uh, through policies and practices um, and ensuring that that message is consistent. And 11 or so years on for us, you know, we are at a change, uh, a point of change in our school, like in every school. Um, you need to continue to grow and evolve and keep your ears to the ground and 
what positive education looks like in the year two years or three years time for us will probably be quite different um, because you know schools are dynamic places and we just have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to engage our community. So that learning and teaching piece is really important. But now I'm really emphasising integrating. Um, so do we need to call it positive education anymore? It's time to really reintegrate into the broader educational picture. And that's where we're at at the moment. Great, thank you. You, you said that you have a, a specific lesson at the moment on positive education. Um, out of interest, I, I don't know much about the education system in Australia. How does that fit within any national curriculum that's set? Is is how does that work? So the Australian as the Australian national curriculum um, does have what we call uh, social and emotional competencies during our framework and social emotional learning. Um, we have some. Uh, positive psychology elements in our health curriculum, um, but there's no positive education subject in our national curriculum per se. The schools in Australia, like my own, who have taken positive education, me, have chosen to create a subject. Um, in our school, we, we teach positive education from early learning until year 10. Um, and then in year 11 and 12, the, the last two years of school, there isn't so much room in the timetable, so POSED is integrated into um, the broader life of the school and what we might call um, pastoral care. Um, so our uh, students from early learning year 10 have exposure to POSED for about an hour a week at least at the okay. moment. Okay, thank you. And could you just let us know as well, what age is year 10 for you in, in Australia? About 15. 15 okay, so they, 16, they, yeah. they have it until then and then it's kind of more embedded in other stuff in, in, in those later fun. years. Okay, yeah. thank you. And I think what you said there really echoes, I did a, an education research trip uh, last year in Finland, and mm. they, they very much have that approach over there of that they're constantly developing and their education has to be something that's constantly evolving. They, they're very, very forward thinking in that way. And that seemed to echo mm. some of the things that you were saying about positive education might not be called positive education because it might have developed in something else. And that, that feels very similar to what I experienced in Finland as well last year. Thank you for tuning in to the For Flourishing Sake podcast. If you found this episode useful, please give it a five-star rating on iTunes to help it reach more people and please spread the word. Also, if you haven't already, remember to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. For Flourishing Sake is available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Deezer. The book by the same name came out on Kindle on the 18th of June and will be out on paperback on the 21st of August. You'll find it on all the major online book retailer sites. It's jam-packed with evidence-based strategies for whole school positive education with case study examples from a wide range of schools from around the world. So why not order your Kindle copy now or pre-order your paperback so you'll receive it as soon as it's published? If you'd like to get in touch with questions or comments or to contribute to a future episode, please contact me via Twitter at FlourishingEd. You can also leave comments on individual episode pages on the forflourishingsake.com website. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, for flourishing sake, have a great week. Mm-hmm.